The Public News Service Daily Newscast, July the 21st, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. There is a plan to make all of New York City's subway system accessible for riders with disabilities, but not at a pace that's fast enough for some customers. New York City's subway system has often been a thorn in the side of the differently abled community. That's because only 114 of the system's 472 stations, or 24%, are disability accessible. But that's slated to change as part of a class action settlement. The Metropolitan Transportation Authority says as part of its next round of capital improvements, all remaining subway stations will be made accessible for people with disabilities. Jeff Peters at the Center for Independence of the Disabled, New York, feels it's a major step forward, despite the lengthy time. Timeline. The fact that it is a long time frame is not the greatest thing in the world. Of course, we'd all love to see this be done in a faster manner, but this is now the first time that they've actually mandated that there is a date and there is money set aside for this. MTA is aiming for 81 stations to be made accessible by 2025, with improvements to a second round of 85 stations 10 years after that. In the two decades afterward, 180 stations will be made accessible by 2055. According to the New York City Department of Health, more than 3 million people in the city live with a disability. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. And the volunteer state ranks poorly in the U.S. for its overall lack of voter participation. Over the last decade, critics say the poor turnout is partly a result of regular purges of the voter rolls, new registration requirements, and the state's restrictive voting laws that create unnecessary barriers. Ballots are already being cast for the upcoming August 4th primary. And Debbie Gould, who heads the League of Women Voters of Tennessee, says so far the early voting turnout is low. Almost nobody is doing early voting, which is really unusual. We're a state that likes to early vote, but we have less than 1% of the voters who've done early voting the first three days. Tennessee's early voting period for this primary ends July 30th. For a public news service, I'm Danielle Smith. The August 4 election ballot is the longest in Tennessee history. It has 20 pages of information for voters to digest. Now from the Associated Press, President Biden Wednesday announced modest new steps to combat climate change and promised more robust action to come, saying this is an emergency and I will look at it that way. The AP notes the president stopped short of declaring a formal climate emergency that is something Democrats and environmental groups have been seeking. Biden hinted such a step could be in the works. This is PNS. Far-right candidates made inroads in Idaho's Republican primary and likely will have seats in the state legislature after November's election. But Eric Tegadoff reports some groups in Idaho say these candidates have not shown an affinity for democracy. Tony Stewart is a longtime human rights activist in North Idaho. He says some extreme candidates lost on the statewide level and in eastern Idaho, but won seats in four Senate races in the panhandle, along with local offices down ballot. He says folks with extreme views also have attended and disrupted local government meetings. It's very, very intense, and it's very hard to have dialogue in those kinds of situations. Stewart says while fringe candidates have been successful in many parts of North Idaho, they still struggle to win elections in Coeur d'Alene. And new research out of the University of Minnesota reveals rural LGBTQ folks face unique and often unmet mental and physical health needs. 
The Minnesota research published last month indicates social cohesion can play a major role in the health and well-being of LGBTQ people, and it documents how some organizations are trying to meet that need. Mariana Tuttle of the University of Minnesota's Rural Health Research Center says community organizations can play a major role in supporting that sense of belonging. So the organizations we spoke with were doing a range of work, you know, including support groups and relationship building activities that may fall under the social and emotional support needs to anti-bullying efforts and education for their entire community that could more broadly impact the environment that folks live in. One of the groups profiled in Tuttle's research is the Virginia Rural Health Association, which aims to improve health access and quality of care for the Commonwealth's rural communities. This is Jonah Chester reporting. Finally, Mike Bowen tells us good heart health is associated with avoiding a range of medical issues. New research shows only about one in five Americans has what you would call optimal cardiovascular health. This summer's new study, appearing in the journal Circulation, used the American Heart Association's new Life's Essential 8 scoring system. It found that 80% of adults landed at a low or moderate level. Dr. Dave Kapaska is a retired executive from Avera McKinnon Hospital in Sioux Falls. He says providers face a challenge in motivating patients to embrace healthier lifestyles, but he adds there are other things beyond a person's control. Genetically, there certainly are socioeconomic realities that occur, and all of these things fold together. Kapaska volunteers with the AHA as part of a broader coalition to expand Medicaid in South Dakota, South Dakota's nonpartisan Legislative Research Council estimates more than 40,000 residents would receive coverage if Medicaid expansion were to move forward. This is by Clifford for Public News Service, member and listener supported, heard on interesting radio stations, your favorite podcast platform. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.